John 10, beginning at verse 1, this is God's holy and infallible word. I tell you the truth, the man who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way, is a thief and a robber. The man who enters by the gate is the shepherd of his sheep. The watchman opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but they did not understand what he was telling them. Therefore, Jesus said again, I tell you the truth, I am the gate for the sheep. All who ever came before me were thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. He will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. That's God's word for us this morning. There's a lot uh, that we can talk about in the Gospel of John because it's so rich and it's so full. One of the things uh, that we haven't talked about yet is the fact that John has these seven I am statements of Jesus. Um, and, and I've heard sermon series just on those seven I am statements. We've seen two of the I am statements already. I am the bread of life, says Jesus. And he says, I am the light of the world. The third of the seven I am statements is in our text. I am the gate. Or, as it's put a lot of times, I am the door. Each one of those descriptions of Jesus, it helps us know him better, see him more clearly. And our our text shows us, I believe, what Jesus as the door can mean for our lives. And we're just going to jump right into it. First of all, Jesus as the door shows us that Jesus is the way out. He's an exit. For fire safety, public buildings are required to have exit signs on the doors. And those exit doors lead people out to safety in case of a fire, right? In what sense is Jesus a way out? In what sense is Jesus an exit? Well, that's what I believe verses 1 through 6 are telling us. So we're going to look there as we begin. Jesus talks about a sheep pen. He talks about a thief and a robber not going in through the gate. And then he talks about the shepherd of the sheep entering by the gate. We read the sheep listen to him. He leads the sheep his own out, we read. And with all this sheep talk, we have a hint of Jesus' very next I am statement, which we're going to get in verses 11 and verses 14. I am the good shepherd. And we'll focus on that picture in the very next John sermon. But for today, we need to know to understand these verses that in ancient Israel, each village had a sheep pen that all the shepherds would share to protect the sheep from robbers, 
from wild animals, there'd be a wall about 10 to 12 feet high around it. And one door, only one. At night, the shepherds who lived in that village would all lead their flocks to the door, leave them in the fold, and then they'd go home to sleep. At the door, there would be a watchman, verse 3. And he was there to protect the sheep all night from robbers and from animals. In the morning, the shepherds would come back, call to the sheep. They would, each, they would respond to their shepherd's voice and then go out to pasture. Obviously, this is all an illustration of something, spiritually speaking. But what? The people in the text in Jesus' day, verse 6, says Jesus used his figure of speech, but they did not understand what he was telling. They couldn't figure it out. Well, we, with the help of, of people who've studied this text, can figure it out. This happens right after Jesus healed the blind man with his, with his spit, with the mud. Remember, we talked about it last Sunday night. There, the Pharisees, who hated Jesus, had put this healed man on trial, and they excommunicated him from the church, and then he ends up believing in Jesus. Here's the connection with our verses. The shepherd entering by the gate is Jesus. This sheep pen doesn't refer to the church or all of God's sheep like we might think. Instead, it refers to Judaism in Jesus' day. John's been showing us, and, and occasionally we've been seeing that, Jesus is coming into a corrupt religious situation. Jesus comes on the scene legitimately, through the gate. In other words, according to the scriptures, how the Old Testament promised the Messiah, the Savior of his people, would come in. The watchman is John the Baptist, who we read prepared the way for the Lord and introduced Jesus to Israel. The robber and the thief who come in different ways, that's the Pharisees and other leaders of God's people in that day who failed miserably in leading people to God. Jesus comes into this bad situation where legalism is leading people away from God and he calls out his sheep the ones who listen to his voice and believe. And he takes them out of there. He brings them to a better fold, his own flock. That's a description of what happened in chapter 9. Jesus comes in. He finds this blind beggar. He heals him. He draws him out. And he believes. And that guy becomes a part of the new flock, Jesus' people. The point of all of that is Jesus was the way out of his situation for that blind man. And he is the way out for people today. Because the people on their own are in the wrong sheep pen. People on their own were not where we should be. Earlier in John, Jesus talked about people standing condemned, people living in darkness, people who will die in their sins. He talked about people hating the truth. 
talk about people being children of the devil. It's very, very harsh language. And this is not just describing people then, but it's also describing people right now in their situation without Jesus. And if you see the Grammys last Sunday night, I did not, but I read some stuff about it because it's all over. Did, what in the world was Carrie, Katy Perry doing at the Grammys last weekend? You know what they're calling it? Her witch performance. Whether she was truly trying to worship the devil, as a lot of people are claiming based on that performance, or not, boy, she certainly seems like a sheep that needs to be led out of wherever she is. Whether it's a sheep pen of self-absorption and pleasure, or it's a sheep pen of religions and teachings, we need Jesus to lead us out. He's the exit from false paths. He's the exit out of self-destructive lifestyles. I understand that there's a pretty big sporting event that happens somewhere around this time of year. I don't know when exactly. But many years ago, Deion Sanders had just won the Super Bowl, but he couldn't enjoy it. He didn't go to any of the many after parties. That same week, he bought a $275,000 Lamborghini didn't even drive it a mile, and he realized, no, that's not it. This is not what I'm looking for. It's got to be something else. And that's when he says he sensed the Lord really calling him and pulling him. He had tried everything in life. Nothing had helped. There was no peace. He was a very, very successful athlete. In 1989, in the same week, he hit a home run in Major League Baseball and scored a touchdown in the NFL. He's the only person I've ever done that, I understand. He's also the only person to play both in the Super Bowl and in the World Series. So Deion Sanders, he had thrown himself into sports to see just how far he could go. He tried to achieve every single goal he could think of, but he says in his testimony that he ended up right back where he started. There was no peace. There was no joy. He says, empty, empty, empty. Nothing I did could touch that deep loneliness inside of me. And then things started really falling apart in his life, and I won't get into that, but he would listen in the midst of all this to his attorney, Eugene, who talked about his faith and how Jesus gave his life purpose. And then, then he asked him a bit what it meant to be a believer in Jesus Christ. So he was learning some stuff. And then one day he got a call from somebody he used to play with on, on the 49ers, Mark Logan. They met at an IHOP for three or four hours. And as Sander tells it, at one point Mark, Mark asked, Dion, are you saved? And Dion says, no, no, man, I can't say that I am, but... My attorney has been asking me the same question. Later, he went home. He went to bed. His mind was racing. Lying there in bed about 4 o'clock in the morning, he says this. I was awakened by these awesome lights in my room. It was like a 747, 
had landed beside my bed. There was an incredible rush of wind that felt like a helicopter had come in with it. I remember opening my eyes just the slightest bit and saying, God, if that's you, take me, take me, Lord. And I was trembling all over. He goes on, before long it was silent, the lights disappeared, and a little bit later I got up and opened my Bible to this passage. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. He says, the words hit me like a ton of bricks. I knew they were meant for me, and at that precise moment I was delivered. I put my trust in Jesus I asked him into my life, and as soon as I realized what I had done, I was so excited. I had to tell somebody. So I got on the phone. I called my attorney and said, Eugene, I did it. I got saved. You see, Jesus drew Dion out, and Jesus is the way out for all people, whatever their situation. And that leads us to our second Point. Jesus is also the way in. Verses 7 through 9 tell us. Jesus is also the way. And through him, the sheep enter the place they need to be, near his side, with his flock. You know, I can't remember if I've ever shared this with you before. I think I might keep this a little private, but I'm a, I'm a real fan of science fiction. I love it. I love science fiction. Not all science fiction is equally well written, but in science fiction, sometimes you'll hear the language of a portal, especially the idea of a portal in space that can take a ship very far distances, very quickly, like a gateway. And this is one of the ways that science fiction writers can get people and ships across the galaxy or even into other galaxies. Without this special portal, it'd be impossible. The distances are just way too far. Well, the Bible says there's a real-life portal through which people can and do enter a whole new world, a whole new reality. Jesus is the gate to eternal life, something that's humanly impossible to attain or reach. That's the distance between us and God. It's just too far because of sin, says the Bible. But listen to verse 9. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. And there's some pretty cool things about what Jesus says here about the door. He shows us how simple salvation is in a certain sense. Think about it. A door is not too difficult to go through, is it? You just have to step through. You don't have to try to climb over a 12-foot wall to be saved. You don't have to go through a long, windy, twisty passage. The Bible says it's a door. It's simple. Jesus doesn't even say we have to knock Just enter. When someone believes in Jesus, boom, that person is saved. There's something else this door picture tells us. He says the door, not a door. 
That's important because most descriptions of faith today will say that there are many doors that all lead to the same happy place of salvation. The reality is the Bible says salvation is through the door. Can't happen through the Buddha, Islam, Hinduism, Judaism, your own virtuous living. Can't happen through human reason. It can't even happen by being born on the rolls of the church. It's through Jesus. Acts 4.12, no other name under heaven is there by which we must be saved. And Jesus says a little later in John 14.6, I am the way, no one comes to the Father but by me. Also, anyone can enter this door. Whoever enters through me, says Jesus. That is wide, open language. It includes anyone, all ages, all colors, sinners, saints, Katy Perry, Deion Sanders, and even that guy, Greg Schuringer. Whoever, anybody can enter. We also find out that we need the strength of Jesus to enter. It says, whoever enters through me will be saved. It doesn't just say, whoever enters will be saved. Whoever enters through me, we can't enter on our own with our own strength because we have none. The Bible says we're dead in our trespasses. Helpless. We need help from God. So we go to Jesus with nothing in our hands, completely helpless, admitting that, asking for his help. And when we do, he surely, surely gives it, and then we can enter the portal till salvation. Third, finally this morning, Jesus provides all access benefits. All access means if you come in, you've got everything. I don't have this, but I understand you can get an all-access account at nba.com. And if you have that, you have access to basketball game video, statistics, newsletters, game audio, all the games you could ever want, anything a basketball fan could ever, ever dream of, and more. All-access. For people who fly a lot, there are special lounges at the airport. And if you get a priority pass, you can go through those doors and you have all access to the comforts they provide for travelers. You can eat, you can take a nap, you can freshen up if you need to. Not that I know any of this, but so I'm told. You can work in a quiet environment, internet access. It's all yours. Jesus is a door that provides all access benefits. He leads us out of that old worthless sheepfold. We come in through him. We're part of his flock, those who are saved. And once you're in, it's all yours. It's not like you have limited access to his blessing. The Bible talks about us being heirs of salvation. We have an inheritance in Jesus. His riches are yours Jesus talks about a couple of these benefits when he says, whoever enters in will be saved. And then he says in verse 9, 
He will come in and out and find pasture. This is talking about benefits, some of those all-access benefits, in and out. How is that a benefit, going in and out? Well, this isn't talking about stepping in and out of the church or being a Christian or being saved. It's talking about freedom and security. In ancient times, a city under siege from enemies would go on lockdown. When danger was threatening, people would have to be shut up in the cities. No one could go out. You had to close the gates. If you could go in and out of your city, it meant that your country or your city was at peace. It meant the ruler of your area had affairs under control. He had it all under control. And that's what you and I have in our salvation. When you belong to Jesus, you have the freedom of life lived with him in control. You're safe. There's no enemy of the sheep that can get you. You're protected from Satan. Nothing can snatch you out of God's hand, not cancer, not financial troubles, not even death. And you and I can live in the freedom of that security. You can go in and out, walk freely, live your life without fear for tomorrow, with eternal security. The shepherd of the sheep has got you. He's leading you. He's leading his church. Everything is going to be okay. The other benefit we have is satisfaction. We'll find pasture. Israel, then and now, it's mostly barren, and good pasture is tough to find. To find a place of pasture, that was a great discovery. And there, the shepherd would bring his sheep to eat until their sheep bellies were full. Psalm 23 talks about the shepherd and the sheep and us and God, and it says, He restores my soul. He leads me beside quiet waters. In him is contentment and fulfillment. You will lack no good thing. We're nourished and we're fed with the word of God. We find rest in his spirit while we meet with the flock like we do on Sundays. Philippians 4.19, God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Salvation, security, satisfaction, the benefits are incredible. We don't experience them fully all the time like we will when we go to heaven. And verse, that's kind of what's going on in verse 10. Verse 10 talks about the thief instead of thieves. And that's hinting at the Antichrist who will come one day and make a final effort to thwart God's plan, to thwart God's people. But that thief, the ultimate thief, Satan, will fail. And then when Jesus returns and takes us to glory will have life, and will have it to the full, in abundance, as some translations put it. We have all access to everything now, yes, but it will be full and complete and perfect in glory. And, and so what that means is as good as life in Jesus 
can be is going to get even better. It's going to get even better. I just want to conclude with a a few final take-homes. And one is, if Jesus is the door, if he's the way out of where you are, if he's the way into salvation, if he gives all access benefits, then the invitation is to enter, to open the door of salvation today. And if you've opened the door already, I want to ask you, are you taking advantage of the benefits? Are you living like you have limited access? Sometimes we're grumpy Christians. Sometimes we live in fear when we've got freedom. Sometimes the way we respond to issues and problems in life, we act, don't we, like we're not secure in Jesus. When we are, it's all going to be okay. Come on. The shepherd provides everything we could possibly need and more. Enjoy. Take from the Lord all you need. Be filled. Roll around and frolic in the pasture a little bit. Celebrate. Be joyful. And one more thought. I mentioned that the watchman, the doorman, Most directly is John the Baptist and the one who introduced Jesus. He was in a long line of faithful prophets who pointed the way to Jesus. Who's the doorman now? John the Baptist is long gone. The prophets of the Old Testament are. Who's the doorman now? One answer and I think this could be a correct way to answer, would be preachers. But I think there's a better answer. I think the better answer is all of us. If Jesus is the door, then the church is the welcome committee. And it's not just paid pastors or people elected to be elder or deacons. It's every one of us. We say to people, come on in. Join us. We're the flock of the Good Shepherd. Come out of the cold of a life without Jesus and come on in. Leave behind the junk in your life. Believe in Jesus. You're going to gain so much. You'll go in and out freely living for Jesus, using your time, your talents, everything you have for his glory, giving every area of your life over to him. You'll enjoy fellowship and care with the flock. You'll be fed on God's word, which is going to empower you for living. You know, church, I feel like we've done, we are doing a nice job welcoming the Lancers to us. And and I want to encourage all of you to keep that up. We're going to have a great welcome luncheon in a little while. Well, That welcoming spirit is how we always are with everyone if Jesus is the door and we're his flock, right? Right? We're the welcome committee. A welcome committee is friendly, reaches out to others, invites them into our homes for fellowship. We've got a smile on our face. We're just so pleased that we have a chance to welcome someone to the flock of Jesus Christ at faith. All to point people to Jesus, 
because whoever enters through him will be saved. 